Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open up the YouVersion app. It's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures. Those have already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures right there on your screen. Wherever it is that you're watching us from, I love you. I'm so grateful that you are a part of our family. You know, after 22 weeks of preparation and groundwork, I was going to launch straight into a series on the book of Romans. And honestly... I even recorded the first message and we were going to air it today, but guys, I just couldn't. I just wasn't feeling a piece about it to the point that while I was actually writing the message, I felt torn. It was like a fight, like I was wrestling. So I talked to my wife, Pastor Sonny, and to my friend, Pastor Jonathan, and we felt like it's been so heavy for so long that maybe I should take a detour before we actually jump into the six-month journey that the magnum opus called Romans is going to require. So I actually had a little conversation with my daughter, Aubrey, about where we should go next. And we came up with the idea of doing a series called The Bright Side. Because in a time like this, it's easy to look at life like the glass is half empty, but it's not easy to look at life from the bright side. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about this series is because I really need it. It's amazing how quickly, like so many other people, I can drift into negativity. It's the natural byproduct of being sarcastic. I am a very sarcastic person, often to my own detriment. Because sarcasm leads to cynicism, and cynicism can cause us to become judgmental, even if it's only in our own minds. Like when we look at people and we have a commentary session about them, like, hmm, what's she thinking wearing those pants? Or really, buddy, with the jorts, the 90s called, they want their outfit back. The problem with being sarcastic or a cynic or being judgmental in your mind is it tends to make its way to your heart. It's like Pop Rocks in a Coke bottle. It'll always find a way of fizzing up and flowing out because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if I stuff it in my heart, I'll eventually say it with my mouth or with my thumbs. You ever text your negative thoughts to a friend? If so, you just infected them with a deadly disease that's crippling our culture. Besides there being a pandemic, there's an epidemic that's engulfing our culture and it's negativity, not just about others, but about, well, everything. So many people are only seeing the downside, which is dangerous because hope deferred makes the heart sick. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about looking on the bright side. Just some characteristics that scripture tells us we should display. Just some things that we should be like grateful and encouraging, generous and enthusiastic, confident. And the one I want to start with today in a message we're calling, I'm optimistic. 
Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for this day. It is all that we'll make it. God, I pray for positivity to flow from us. I pray for optimism to flow from us. God, in the midst of these difficult times, I pray that your Holy Spirit would well up within us, that our hearts would be changed, that our minds would be changed, our actions would be changed, so that our destinies would be changed. Make us less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's really two types of people in the world. Those who are naturally optimistic and those who are more naturally pessimistic. And sadly, it seems the more time passes, pessimism is progressively prevailing. I mean, I bet it'd be easier for you to name people in your life who are consistently negative than it would be for you to name people who are consistently positive. It seems like so many people are pursuing reasons to be critical, pursuing opportunities to be negative, even in their own self-talk. Without even knowing it, you can talk down to yourself. Like, I don't have what it takes. I'll never get ahead. I'll never find true love. I'll never have a family. I'll never lose this weight. I can't stand this job. I hate this house. It's almost become a mantra that we repeat over and over, talking ourselves into a bad life. Plus, Sometimes it seems like we're surrounded by, smothered by people who have nothing but negative comments. The economy, it's doomed. Morals, they're falling apart. The school system stinks. Nobody wants to do virtual learning. I mean, what's happening in Madison? What are those people in Washington doing? The world, it's going to hell in a handbasket. And you know what? In reality, there are things going wrong in the world. Just because we're Jesus people doesn't mean we bury our head in the sands and pretend that there aren't problems in the world. But at the same time, there are a lot of great things happening too. God's doing lots of really amazing things all over the world. This pandemic is presenting opportunities for people to make changes that they never would have made otherwise. And we don't want there to be a pandemic, but we do want our families to be closer. And we, we do want ourselves to be closer to Jesus. And we do want to serve our neighbors better. And so many people are doing that right now. There's lots of amazing things happening all over the world. And whatever you focus on tends to get bigger. You know, we always find whatever it is that we're looking for. Take a buzzard and a hummingbird, for example. Every single day, what does a buzzard find? Dead things. Well, every single day, what does a hummingbird find? Sweet things. Because you'll always find what it is that you're looking for. Scripture actually teaches that principle in the Proverbs. Solomon said, if you search for good, you'll find favor. But if you search for evil, it's going to find you. You, you want to find the negative? Find the miserable? Find people's shortcomings, deficiencies? You can find that. But you can also find the good. The difference is you have to look for the good. You have to believe the best. I choose to believe the best about our country. I choose to believe the best about people. I choose to believe the best about you. I choose to be optimistic. So I want to leave you with some reasons why I'm optimistic. And they're not just pop psychology or the power of positive thought. I'm not going to try to turn you into Stuart Smalley standing in the mirror telling yourself I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Because I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. I'm optimistic based on what God says. I'm not optimistic based on a theory. I'm optimistic based on a truth. 
And so I want to give you eight reasons why I'm optimistic. And they all come from Romans chapter eight. Now, to be honest, I actually found 23 reasons in Romans eight for me to be optimistic. And I had to work really hard to narrow it down to just eight because besides being too long, eight reasons I'm optimistic from Romans eight sounds so much cooler than 23 reasons I'm optimistic from Romans eight. So eight reasons I'm optimistic. Here's the first. I'm optimistic because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. Verse one and two say, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I'm optimistic because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. I really could have ended the list right there because I've done a lot been forgiven of a lot. But thanks to Jesus, I'm not getting what I deserve, which is punishment, banishment. Instead, I'm getting what I don't deserve. I get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Are you kidding me? That is so dope. Could have ended it right there, but I won't. The second reason I'm optimistic is because Jesus, he's praying for me. Verse 34 says, Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, he's at the right hand of God and he is interceding for you. What's that mean interceding? It's just a cool way of saying that he's praying for you. It's saying Jesus, he's at the right hand of the father, which in the Jewish culture is the place of power. So Jesus is in a position of power and he's praying deep prayers for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I get excited when somebody who's spiritually strong prays for me. Like I have a friend, Bill, and Bill's a unique guy because he loves to pray, but it's never public. It's always private. And when Bill prays, it's like heaven opens up. Bill binds up bad things and loosens up good things. When he tells the devil where to go, the devil goes where he's told. Now, I I picture when When Bill prays, God's like, whoa, 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 hey, 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 shut her down. Hey, Bill's praying. Angels, be quiet. Pause the show. Turn the music down. It's Bill. Every once in a while, I'll get a text from my friend Bill and he'll tell me that he's praying for me. And on those days, it just feels like I can do more. It just feels like whatever I have going on is in the bag because Bill, he's praying for me. But here's what's cooler than that. The one who gives Bill the power to pray, Jesus, he's praying for you today. He's interceding. He's whispering deep prayers of power in the ear of God today. I mean, isn't that so sick? Isn't that so encouraging? Here's the third reason I'm optimistic. It's my future payoff is greater than my present pain. In verse 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings aren't even worth comparing with the glory that's gonna be revealed in us. I'm optimistic because whatever I'm going through now is doing something in me that God is gonna use to sharpen me, to strengthen me, to shape me into the image of Jesus. I mean, I don't know who this is right now, but beyond the pandemic, you are in the middle of something difficult. You are in the fight for your life. But can I make you a promise? From an eternal perspective, there is no such thing as pointless pain. It's how the book of James can say that we should consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. Why? Because the testing 
the testing of our faith. It develops perseverance and it'll cause you to become mature, to become complete, to lack for nothing. I'm optimistic because I can tell you from experience, your future payoff is better than your present pain. Here's the fourth reason I'm optimistic. My mind is filled with the peace of God. Verse six says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit, well, that's life and that's peace. It's about perspective. When I think like a Jesus guy, I don't get to be negative. But the issue at hand is an issue of access and authority. Who are you giving access to your mind? Whoever you give access to, you give authority to. Some of you need to change the password to your brain so that when the enemy tries to log in, he gets locked out. When he tries to put in the old password too many times, he gets blocked. Like when I changed the password to my brain, when I changed my security settings, he lost access, he lost authority. And he'll still try to log in, but when he does, I get a message that says an unauthorized access attempt has been blocked by my antivirus software and I can change my password Again, so I am optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God. That peace that surpasses all understanding. Here's the fifth reason I'm optimistic. If God is for me, no one can ever be against me. Verse 31 declares that by asking a rhetorical question. If God is for me, who can be against me. Then in verse 33, it says, who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Now let's call it like it is because some of you are thinking, well, I know somebody who's against me right now. So yes, let's be clear. People will criticize you. People will cuss you out. They may not like you. They may take shots at you. But what this scripture is saying is if God is for us, what does it really matter? Because in the end, we win. Guys, People with a big trajectory always become a big target. So I've determined if I'm going to be a big target, I need to be a moving target. God's got such big plans for you. Keep pushing, keep pressing. I've learned to not worry about if people are criticizing me or persecuting me. Truthfully, I've learned to pay attention when nobody's criticizing me or persecuting me. It makes me ask if I've just started to go with the flow, if I've just compromised something. If people are against you, don't be negative. It's a compliment. Instead, be optimistic because God, he's for you. Here's the sixth reason I'm optimistic. God's strength helps me in my weakness. Honestly, sometimes being a moving target can be exhausting. Sometimes all the plans God has for us can seem overwhelming. Sometimes our spirit can get weak. But what's the alternative? Quit moving, quit winning, quit hoping. So in verses 24 through 26, it says, who hopes for what they already have? We hope for what we don't have yet and we wait for it patiently. That's where some of you are right now. You're waiting on God to be faithful to a promise, a job or a spouse, a baby or a clean scan, a negative test result. You're waiting and wanting, wanting and waiting, which has a way of making us weary. So verse 26 gives us hope. It says in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. You don't have to carry this alone. 
God's plan always comes with God's protection, God's provision, and God's peace. When God gave you the promise, he also gave you the plan. And he already knew the plan was too big for you to do on your own. So he already planned for your peace. So I'm optimistic that he has a plan for me and a place for me to pause, to rest. Here's the seventh reason I'm optimistic. God is working everything in my life for good. And he's working everything in your life for good too. Verse 28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. There's never been one thing that's happened in my life that God hasn't turned for good, both his and mine. It didn't seem like it at the time. But when I look back, when I reflect, even the things I thought were the worst times of my life have been seeds for my success. And quite frankly, They've been seeds for your success too. And what's exciting is that some of those seeds haven't even sprouted yet. So when I hit a hiccup and it hurts, I can have hope that it's just a seed sprouting for someone's success. And I can be a pessimist and let it distract me, or I can be an optimist and let it drive me because I know in the end, it'll work for his and for my good. Here's the eighth reason I'm optimistic. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. No matter where we go or what we do, no matter what we say or how we say it, God is for us. He still loves us and we can't outrun his love. He'll never stop calling us, courting us, chasing us down, which is why some of you are here. You've tried to run. You've tried to hide, tried to walk away, tried to argue. You drifted into negativity thinking there's no point. There's no hope because hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I'm optimistic. And I'm optimistic because you're here and he's here. I'm optimistic because the hope of the world, Jesus, he's been waiting just for you. Because nothing in all creation, not even you, can separate you from the love of God. And so you came looking to get answers, but he came looking to give answers. So what's your perspective today? Buzzard or hummingbird? What's your pursuit today? Dead things or sweet things? Whatever it is that you're looking for, you're going to find. Can I tell you what his pursuit is today? It's you. Would you close your eyes? You know, the essence of the Christian existence is us surrendering ourselves to Jesus us stopping our running, us stopping our hiding, us letting Jesus grab hold of us. He's looking. He's waiting. He's reaching. Will you pause? Will you stop? Will you surrender? That's salvation. Surrendering your life to Jesus. Submitting your heart. Submitting your mind submitting your agenda, realizing that you, you can't accomplish this on your own. Guys, God's plan for your life is 
too big for you to accomplish on your own. And some of you, maybe you've heard the rhetoric that says he'll never give you more than you can handle. Yeah, he will. He'll always give you more than you can handle. And the reason that he'll give you more than you can handle is because he doesn't want you to handle it alone. He wants to handle it with you. And that's what salvation does. It submits those things that are too big for you. It puts them in the palm of his hand and lets him handle it. And so I wonder if you're watching this and you say, Sean, that's me. Things are, things are more than I can handle. I've tried everything else and I need Jesus. You know, salvation is simple. We, we've made it complicated, but really all it is, according to scripture, is you admitting that you're a sinner and admitting that he can save you and then submitting those sins to the savior who can save you. And so if you wanna do that, we're gonna help you do that in just a few seconds here by doing a couple of things. First, I'm gonna repeat a few lines of a prayer. And then if you repeat those after me and you mean them in your heart, then you will be saved. And then after that, you're gonna message us and let us know that you prayed this prayer so that we can help you become everything that God wants you to be, which is less like you and more like Jesus. So if you're watching this and you say, Sean, I need to submit myself to my Savior, would you just say this after me? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I surrender. Please forgive me. Please change me. Come into my life. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that, congratulations. It's the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. So please message us. Let us know that you made this choice so that we can help you become everything that God wants you to be. But we're not done. Maybe you're watching this and you're a Jesus guy or you're a Jesus girl. You're on your way to heaven. But you'd say, Sean, life has happened. The pandemic has made me a pessimist. Maybe it's wearing on you. You say, Sean, today, I need to surrender that, submit that, I can't be pessimistic anymore. I need prayer that I can be more optimistic. If that's you, I'm gonna pray for you right now. So God, for my friends who the pandemic has just worn down, God, they become pessimistic, sarcastic, cynical, judgmental. God, I, I pray that off of them in Jesus' name. God, I pray pessimism out and optimism in. Thank you that we have hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.